Welcome, welcome again to another rendition of WTF Interviews. My name is Sir Royce Bialis, and I'm with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Ryan Young. How's it going, brother? I'm well, man. Let's gearing up for, for the holidays, man. How you doing? Yeah, man, same here, man. Santa Claus goes straight to the ghetto. That's what they say. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm also pleased to announce we have a special guest, Stacy King. How's it going, brother? Hey, brothers, it's always good to chop it up with Fab. Yes, sir. (laughs) Yes, sir. Likewise, likewise. All right, so, yeah, give us some more information about uh, what you do, man. What do you do for a living or for a purpose, if you will? So what do I do for a living? I am a project management professional. That's what I, my professional tradecraft is. But for the last, we'll say, Eight years, I've been teaching project management boot camps, which is training to help others attain this most prestigious certification. And uh, I kind of carved out a little niche in the world as being the person that you go to when you absolutely need some help to pass this exam. So that's kind of my niche in the world. They call me the PMP whisperer. That's what I do. Okay, that's cool. How did you get into project management? Oh, you know what? They threw me in the pool. That's how you get it. It's like, you'll get this opportunity. They'll say, we don't have a lot of information. We got this much time. We got this much money. We need to accomplish this. We don't know how you're going to get it done. But guess what? We know you got the skills to make that happen. And then you get into that that community and you prove yourself that you can do it at a high level. Then they give you the keys to bigger and bigger projects. And that's kind of how you, you carve out your, your legend. So that's how I got in there. You know, I threw me in the pool and I survived. That's cool. So can you um, give a little insight about like um, what it takes to be a project manager? Uh, It takes uh, a lot of people skills um, because you can have a team and you're going to have a customer, but you also got a corporate customer that you owe this. We call it a benefit. It could be profit margin, but you got a customer that you owe some business value to. And then you have a team that works for you to provide this, you know, we'll call it a solution. But the majority of people that you need to help you don't work for you. So you have to have the people skills to, to bring people along with your vision so that your team can accomplish their mission. We call that in our world alignment. So that's, that's really the people skills. You can sell the vision and you can motivate workers to perform at a high level. Very interesting. So um, I know we, we kind of had a, a talk before this. Um, you mentioned um, before that you had a military background. Uh, can you speak to that a little bit? Like, uh, what yes. was that like? So uh, I did 22 years in the Marine Corps. I retired in uh, 2006. I can't believe it's been almost 17 years that it went so fast. That's the retirement part. Time for but, uh, uh, what, so what would I characterize the Marine Corps like? It's kind of like being in the world's biggest, like, band. You get to go around the world. You get to do a bunch of crazy things, and then hopefully you survive it, and you get to retire. But it, to me, it was just like like joining, joining a frat, no different than that, and uh, making some tremendous friends, uh, learning some things, but most importantly, just it's the friendship. It's the network you build with, with your people that, that kind of lasts once you, once you get out of it. So what, um, I guess, what led to your decision to join the Marine Corps? How, how old were you when you did that? I was uh, 17 when I signed up because I did delayed entry. Um, so uh, I, I guess because it's part of one of my stories I'm writing right now about the, this little boy series. It's about very few people know there's a thing like in, in, in our community, at least in New York, like you, at 18, you better, you better figure it out. So that's kind of the guidance that I had, like at 18. Yeah, that, you're that's going here too. <laughs> right. So when you, but when you had that conversation with other people from other communities and other, we'll call it ethnicities, that sounds crazy. We're like, well, yeah, that's the, that's the expectation. At 18, you better figure something out. Uh, I don't know what you're going to figure out. I'm not sure what you're going to do, but that's kind of, how I ended up in the recruiter's office. I had to figure something out. 
Okay. So are you from New York? I'm from Buffalo. I was okay. raised there. But I'm actually, I was born in Georgia, but I was raised in uh, Buffalo from the time I was five to the time I turned uh, 18. Okay. You a Bills fan? All day. <laughs> it's, a, it's a curse man i call it a, i call it an addiction like, like i've been in rehab like several oh, times like I, I just can't kick the addiction the addiction I wish I did, though. oh yeah so you was around for the uh the 90s bill oh man i had four straight super bowl parties man you know, I, was, I was ready to burn the house down <laughs> which one which one hurt the most out of the was it the first one that first one they missed that field goal right that, that hurt, one. but you know, you you, you was you're like, okay, we gonna come back, we gonna get them the next time. So that didn't hurt as much because I thought we would come back and like yeah. really, really, really turn it on, you know. But each one after that, man, by halftime, you know, you're like ready to jump off the building. You're like, come on. <laughs> why? This, this is not even. It's not even. You know, the law averages says that you don't lose four in a row. This is like that's not even statistically possible. But it happened. Yeah. That's tough, man. Well, Who was we, it like? Uh, or go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to talk about the Bears, man. The Bears, oh, yeah, ain't, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they they experienced one in 30 years. So Yeah, we're still hanging on to 1985, man. I know. Y'all still rolling out the videos, right? That's yeah, Super Bowl shuffle. I'm tired of seeing that, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shuffled out. <laughs> uh, so, what was your, so what was your experience like growing up in, in Buffalo? Like, uh. Like, what was it like, uh, how was your experience with your with your father growing up? I have never met my father, so I, I okay. can't answer that question. So I would have no experience with him. Never so what him. Uh, father figures did you have growing up uh, uh, since your dad wasn't around? I'd say the one that poured into me the most was uh, my youngest brother's father. Um, his name is John. My, he's my guy. Let's call him Pops. But uh, he was an older, older gentleman, but he poured into me the most and gave me the most information to have me ready for to deal with this world that I was about to get thrust into at the age of 18. So I would say Pops poured into me the most. What was some of the uh, best advice he gave you growing up? Uh, you know, basically, you got to work hard. Nothing's going to be uh, – fair you, you gotta expect some things uh not to go your way but you can't uh you can't fold up because at the end of the day it says that uh talent is eventually what's going to to save either you got talent or you don't have talent and if you got talent they'll find a way to find you so that's kind of what kept me going now stacy i heard like buffalo is like hood hood is that true uh, Buffalo is like every other city, you know, you got pockets, you know, cause like any city you go to, you got pockets of where it's, uh, it could be a little ratchet and then you got <laughs> pockets of where it's middle-class and then you got pockets where it's like somewhere between ratchet and middle-class. So it's got all three of those things going on. You just gotta, okay. you just gotta know how to operate whenever you're in one of those different pockets. Okay. I was like, how did you navigate, uh, like as a young man, uh, Growing up in Buffalo, how'd you navigate those pockets? Uh, for me, it was uh, education. I was like, I was, I was always smart, right? So I think people gave me a, a window to where I could operate in. Like, oh, that's the smart brother over there. Let him, let him be. We're not gonna really stress him to come out here and do some of these things that we're doing. So yeah. it kind of gave me a pass because I was smart. And then uh, I was always into the to the break dancing scene and the TikToking. So I was kind of known. For, for doing those things. So I, I kind of had like, uh, those are my two spaces where I could safely operate. That's cool. You were, you still got them, uh, them breakdance moves? Man, right? I still got them, bro. <laughs> Bring out the cardboard. No, man. <laughs> I still got them. They don't never go away. It's like riding a bike. <laughs> nah, that'll never get old, man. That's, that's classic right there. Nah, man. That's classic hip hop, bro. Classic. <laughs> So how how old were you when um like hip hip hop like emerged on the scene? Probably about uh I remember I was in the fifth grade when uh Rappers Delight came out. And it's funny because you were singing songs, right? You'll sing the lyrics and you'll be like in your later years be like, oh man, hip hop back in the day was so clean and pure. 
But then you start thinking about the lyrics you're singing. And I was like, oh, the rapper's delight was not that clean or that pure. <laughs> you know? So you know, we just have this uh, augmented reality when we compare in different eras. But I was, uh, it came out when I was 10. And then from there, I just naturally gravitated towards it. And before that, I was in a, I was into like every kid in Buffalo. The Soul Train came out Saturdays. Me and my sister, that was our thing. We just did Soul Train. Learned the moves. <laughs> I would go out with her to parties and then, of course, try to, you know, get with all her girls because they were like, oh, your brother's so <laughs> That was my thing. Hey, did anybody ever try to battle you? Oh, man, that was the thing, man. You battle. battle yeah. always, and that was kind of like towards the end. That's when it kind of, when the, when the negative crowd got into breakdance, you know, when the, when the thugs <laughs> and, and criminals got into it. <laughs> Because they saw the popularity of it. Then you got to battle somebody who can't really dance, but he's a criminal or he's a thug. So you, so you kind of got to... He can't really lose. Yeah. So yeah. You got to dial back your moves, right? So I'm, I'm dialing back my moves. Because I ain't trying to get shot. Or I ain't trying to get, you know, smacked up. So, <laughs> so it was like that Michael Jackson video. Then, like, beat it. Like, uh, yep. a bunch of thugs in the street just getting busy. Yeah, man. It was, <laughs> we, we was all good to the, to the criminal mind that got into it. Like, oh, damn, here they come. All right, here come the big guys. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to get all smacked up. <laughs> so uh, speak to your, um, if you can, speak to your fatherhood experience. Uh, you know, uh, how, how have, uh, how has all these experiences shaped you as a father? Uh, well, you think, when you, here's the deal. Well, you've never witnessed uh, fatherhood you go into adulthood with the full understanding that I'm going to be making this stuff up as I go. So yeah. it was a lot of trial and error yeah, and, uh, which each one you make fewer mistakes. So there's a special relationship you have with the first one that's different than the ones that came after them. So the first one, you broke a lot of, you broke a lot of eggshells. The second one is a little bit easier. The third one kind of whole different experience. So that's kind of how it was for me. I was just, I was just, trial and error making things up as i as i learned them so what what rap song would you describe um well i guess what rap song would describe you as as a dad rap song that would describe me as a dad oh man as a dad that's a good one that's a good one i'm about to come back to that one (laughs) Got me with that one. That was like that was left. That was a curveball. <laughs> okay, we we can come back. <laughs> I'm at to Google some. Hold on, I'm at to let me do my Google. Keep talking. I'm I'm googling. Well, let me let me ask you this: What was yeah. the best era in, in hip hop to you? Ah oh, man, probably the '90s for yeah. me. Yeah. I, I was in the. I think I was in the Wu Tang era. Oh yeah, '90s. <laughs> that's just that. That's one of me. Yeah, because I was into that, like, let's just, plus I was in the Marine Corps, like, going to clubs and just and, and smash people up, and, and, you know, that was, that's my era. <laughs> so it just brought out, it brought out all the aggression. Oh, is that, like, um, y'all used to go out and uh, and fight all the time? Is that true about the Marines? It, it wasn't so much that we looked for the fight. It's just that. Oh, it's like y'all are targets, like, those. those it's just like, dudes know that chicks love Marines. You know, yeah. so it's just like you, you go find it, even if you go out there looking for peace. The fact that they, they know that, you know, there's a certain energy that, that we give off that makes women, you know, attracted to us. Always brought forth the, uh, we call it the hate. So we was always ready. So what about like the internal beef, like between like Marines, Army, uh, Navy, Air Force guys, the all fight again? Same deal, man. We had to beat them all Same down. Same deal. They always come at the Marine Corps because we're the smallest and we got the cheapest budget and and we're supposedly the dumbest. And then, of course, when the push comes to shove and you got to uh, put us on work, they know we're going to put us on work and we're not going to stop until the work is done. So we, we, we had to dust off a few from the other branches. That's cool. But at the end of the day, we love each other. So still, still, it's still, it's still a fraternity of a fraternity, you know. And we learned that, you know, when we went to combat, you know, you depended on the Navy, the Army, the Air Force, the Marine Corps. We all depended on each other. So 
I think war kind of brings out, brought us together. All that, all that friction went out the window once we had to go to war with each other. Yeah. So can you talk about your experience with that as far as like um, being deployed or going to war? I think it's, it's like a movie, but it's real, you know? So we've seen so many movies, we've seen so many explosions, we've seen so many special effects that it looks just like the movie. If you've seen combat movies, you see all the uh, all the special effects. Except there's somebody on the other side really trying to trying to make sure you don't go home. So that kind of gets your attention and keeps you uh, keeps you on the you're straight and narrow. And the best way I can explain it is kind of like 59 minutes of peace, and then it could be one minute of total freaking hell. But that one minute of hell seemed like it was longer than the 59 minutes of peace. That's kind of how combat is. Yeah, like you don't fight till you find each other. So damn, okay, now we, we okay, we right next to each other. Now we gotta we gotta put in some work. Mm. How um, like how did that impact your family? I think it impacts every every family when you come home because a no human being was made to, for combat, no human mind was made to see the things that you see in combat, and. Until you go, you have nothing to really compare it to. And your family knows that you come, you come back and you're different. You know you're different, but you don't know how different until time passes by and then you figure out, okay, here's the true, here's the true t- price I had to pay for going to combat, you know. But your family's got to pay that price along, along with you. And a lot of families end up as casualties uh, because it's, it's a bit much for them. They can't handle it what's been dropped back into their lap so a lot of a lot of a lot of divorces come out of it a lot of those who don't have structure or support end up in the streets you know because something happened to you and we need to we need to acknowledge that so what was your support system like after you got back um i had my family um so they were there for about a period of say 12 years so they're there for about 12 years and uh ran his course and then we we went in a different direction but they were there for 12 years so i would say that that's that was my support network my 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 family internal gotcha so you mentioned about um you know when you had your first child you broke a bunch of eggshells yeah Going into the the next the next uh, you know, two that you had, um, what did you learn from the first one, and what what changes or what uh, differences did you did you see in yourself as a father as you went through that process? Uh, patience. Yeah. Patience. I think uh, learning from my craft. You know, getting getting to develop a bunch of young people. You know, as a, as a senior listed. You know, raising other people's children. You kind of get to learn some things there that you can take back home. But it's really just patience. And then anytime you, you have the first one, you're going to gather what we call some lessons learned mm-hmm. that you build yeah. upon. And that makes you more proficient. But it's really listening, being a better listener, and then not automatically um, going on the uh, assault mode, which is kind of what a, a Marine Corps first sergeant or gunnery sergeant can do from time to time. So you just learn how to listen, take in the facts, and then try to make the best decision for that child because they're each different. Like each one of them has their own personality. So what I did with this one, I can't do to that one because totally wired differently. So I think that was it. Learning my 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 stakeholder management skills. We call them people skills. Gotcha. So how did it being in um how did being in the Marines help you with being a, a project manager? Well I think it helps when you um talking about being in the Marine Corps where you don't have access to a lot of we stated our technology first, where you're always we're always the last. So we get the, we get everything last mm-hmm. as a technology. So you learn how to, uh, you know, make a dollar out of 15 cents. That was, that's one of your key skills. 
and you learn how to make things work. We'll call them legacy things. You learn how to stretch it until you, you actually get to the next phase in of the next technology. You just learn how to make things last and work. But it's really that making a dollar out of 15 cent, um, making things happen, uh, keeping your team motivated. Those are some of the high-level things I think that, that made me really successful as a PM. Okay. How did um, how did being a dad impact you as a, a project manager? I think it made me more empathetic uh, towards my my team members, uh, and I kind of saw them as, as I was their father for the most part. You know, I saw them in the same vein because most of them were young, so it made me look at them from a parental perspective. I want to take care of them, make sure they got everything they need to be successful. Uh, of course, if they're not meeting expectations, they're going to get some criticism. So that never went away. So you're going to get some correction, but you want to get on the correction in a manner that's going to be received. And you want to give them a correction and with information that they can use. So I think that's kind of how it helped me just learning how to talk to my children helped me really learn how to talk to my, my teammates. Yeah. Uh, my question for you, Stacey, uh, is uh, growing up, you said your dad wasn't involved or around at all. Um, how do you think that impacted you, you know, going through your, uh, you know, trials and tribulations as a, as a young man? It left a left a mark, you know. You always want to know. You always want to know, you know, who is this, who is this person, where they at, uh, what they do, what they look like, why they didn't come look for me. You know, you have all these questions, and they, they never go away. I'm I'm in my fifties. The questions still don't go away. I just learned how to um, accept that I may never get an answer, but those questions are still there. You know, you, you want you want to know. So I know that you said that um, your brother's dad played a like major part in you growing up. Can you talk about your interactions with him a little bit? Um, just, like what, what made that so special for you? Just his uh, his demeanor, his swag, his 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 swagger. He was he's, he's had this he'd have had this aura just like. You know, I've been there. I've done that. I'm from the South. I was raised, he was raised in Florida. And uh, so he came through all the dark periods in American history. And he just, he'd had that, that swagger. that was like, you know what? It didn't matter. Nobody was going to stop me. Uh, I wasn't going to take too much. Yeah. I'm nobody. Uh, I stood up for myself and he just had that, he had that fighting spirit. Like, like we don't have to, we don't have to dial back our shine because others don't want to see it. That's kind of what he gave me. Like you let him, you said blind and blind the asses, which is shine. If you got to. <laughs> no, that's dope. That's yeah. dope. Yeah. I might steal that one. <laughs> that's <a> good one. <laughs> so uh, what's your relationship now with, with your kids? Do you guys have a, a pretty close relationship now or is it a touch and go? I prefer not to talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, um, go, going back to um, when you came home from the military, then um, what was the um, the biggest, I guess, culture shock for you when you got back? Was it just uh? Being getting back to being a civilian, or uh, like what was that like when you first came back from the war? Yeah, it was uh, getting used to for me being around people, yeah. so close close human contact. Like you, when you when you're in that environment, you're constantly aware of humans and what they're doing with their body language. So you look at body language, you look at body proximity. 
you're always looking for the wrong thing. So you don't, you don't get comfortable around people until a couple years after the fact. But that's kind of what it's, I didn't like people driving close to my car. Mm-hmm. I didn't like people getting close to me or touching me uh, if I was walking in a mall or something. I didn't like being in large crowds. If I went to a restaurant, I always had to sit where I could see the door, see every, you know, egress point. Yeah. So things like that, those those kind of things that kind of kind of resonated. So I know, like, um, we've had the chance to interact a, a couple of different times, and um, you know, you've um, talked about like your story and your upbringing and uh, different things. Have you ever like did like public speaking or uh, like talk to younger people about you know told them your story? I have not, but that's one of my goals, you know. Um, okay. I write, I'm writing, I write. So that's what I do when I'm not training or teaching, I write. So I'm working on this series called, it's called Little Boy's Blues. I'm on, I'm working on the second in that series now called the B-Boy's Blues. But it's really a book that I want to, I want to get it to the world. I think every young person who kind of grew up like me, or even who didn't grow up like me, even those who are not from the inner city, I think it will help them understand people who who went through that experience. So I want to get that out there. Um, I also want to take project management back to where I came from because it's a tremendous career uh, for, for our people. I think we are naturally, we'd be naturally gifted at it because it goes back to, hustling like pm has to have the ability better work to hustle you know you got to make things happen you got to have that gift of gap you got to understand people you got to get people to to work at a high level you know for you so we have these natural abilities with people and i want to get that back to my community because it's an untapped potential but more importantly it's a job i know that we can do at a high level and i want young people to know about it from who look like me. I want them to know about this this type of profession. Yeah. Uh, take me back to your writing. So have you always enjoyed writing or something that you just started recently? Man, it, it was, I was an academic in terms of writing. I could do that. Like throughout my college career, I could write papers without a lot of effort. Never took a lot of energy or effort. It was easy for me. But creative writing didn't happen until I had my crash back in 2015. So that was part of my therapy coming out of that, that, that breakdown as I, I learned how to start putting things on paper, get these things out of my head. And that kind of led to the first book I wrote. I wrote it in like two weeks. And then after that, I've just been writing and uh, getting better at it each year, you know, submitting my stuff to competitions and getting feedback from professionals in the theater community and, in the Hollywood community. So it's helping me, you know, tighten up my game, tighten up my craft. So to the point now, like now I know I can write before five years ago, six years ago, I'm like, I don't know if I'm a good writer, but now I'm pretty confident in my writing ability. Well, that's pretty cool. What's like your favorite genre? Do you like stick with like the drama? Or do you get into sci-fi? Or, like what? what I like, what you like uh, I like, writing about the human experience so Mm. i like writing about people and relationships and how those relationships change over time so for example one of the one of the scripts i'm trying to shop right now is called secrets and it's a story about a young lady she had the ability i mean she was gorgeous but she had the ability to be a world-class model or world-class criminal and what does she what she look like Stacey she looks like because you, you, <laughs> yo, you, I mean, you seen she, it before <laughs> she's a dime man she's a dime even at this age of our lives she's a dime like you like she's the kind you look at you like I can't even imagine you at 18 mm-hmm. yeah crying like I couldn't even imagine <laughs> you at 18 but uh yeah so that's so the gist of it is the secret, you know, so the secret itself is a character, right? And we have these, we have, and I think that's important because that's a huge thing in our community. It's like the black community is really built on a lot of different secrets that we have within our families that uh, that's true. 
they either get addressed or they never get addressed, but the secret is still kind of hanging out there like a character yeah. in, in our lives. So that's kind of the gist of that story. And uh, it's, it's exciting. I like it, but it's, it's, but that's kind of what I like. I like, I like writing about, about the human experience and about how we, how we affect one another, you know, for the positive and the negative. Gotcha. Um, so with your project management, uh, your background and your writing background, um, where do you see it going from here? Like uh, if you had to forecast five years from now with the book series, would you uh, see other books, like other books similar to that coming out? Or uh, Well, I think I want to, I want to work my way through the, through the little boy series. Cause I think that's yeah. important to me. Uh, I want to be the, I don't want to call it the patron saint of fatherless sons. But I want to I want to leave a legacy for fatherless sons where they have somewhere they can go, they can tap into, they can read things yeah. that can help them. So I want I want that to go out into the world. Um, secret still, I want to get that out there, and and then I just want to keep whatever idea comes to me. You know, I I don't have I don't like planning. I I like to live in the moment. So whatever idea comes to me will be the next great idea. But uh, in the interim, I'll still teach because I got to eat. Yeah, man, you got me intrigued about the secrets, man. If, man, it's uh, so, oh, man, it's so dope. Right? <laughs> this is one character. Right? This is one character. Like, um, oh man, this is one character I love the most. His name is Twins, right? I'm, I'm gonna go spill the beans. Mm-hmm. So, Twins, man, is my favorite character in Secrets. So he's this, he's this cat that he doesn't even know that he's got like an alternate persona. So he thinks he's two different people, but it's really him. Mm. He doesn't know when he's the, he's the other person, but he was kind of flipped by this guy who came out of the military, did a, little, did a little something to him. So one side of his character, he's this amazing saxophonist. Like he could play the saxophone like the kill it. But then the flip side, he's like a pimp and a drug dealer. <laughs> but he's an amazing character because when he flips and goes back and forth between those two different extremes, I just love writing about him because that's to me is the most exciting character that I've come up with so far. It's, it's twins. No, that's dope, man. If you, um, if they made a movie about secrets, who would play twins and who would play, um, the, the lady character, her name is secrets. No, nah, her name is Gabby in the movie. No, oh, who, who would play uh, those two characters? Gabby, probably the chick that was in, uh, damn, what was that TV show on ABC? Her father was like in the CIA and she was like a, you know, she was a freaking total hard ass. I can't think of her name. Oh, uh, uh, Carrie Washington. Carrie Washington, yeah. She'd be Gabby because she got the personality to pull it off. And then Twins, Twins probably like some Jamie Foxx type action. Like I can see okay. Jamie Foxx playing Twins because musician and uh, straight up like like could bring it like in Django, like bring the hammer. Yeah. <laughs> no, that'd be that'd be a pretty dope movie, man. Oh uh, man, because it's a time, it's a time period. It's, a, it's from the seventies too, so it's like it just takes oh, me yeah. back to the seventies. They got the afros. They got yeah, the, the afros and the clothes, the swag. Like that was that was the golden era of 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 everything. Yeah, I right. love it. That's awesome, man. Like, what what what's some other characters, man? Because it is <laughs> it sounds like a dope story already. What who are some other people that's in it? If you don't mind. Uh, so you got you got twins. You got Gabby. You got her friend. Uh, dang, I can't think of this girl's name, but she's a like so she's a young white chick, but she grows up in the projects with Gabby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's an amazing freaking singer like she can sing she's like uh she reminds me her character reminds me of tina marie like she's like she's this amazing singer and in the story she has this overdose so she ends up in a coma so i haven't decided in the next episode if i'm gonna bring her out the coma i think i am because i want to see her take it to the next level with her singing but it was really just painting a picture that like like we when we're in the same environment we can connect you know yeah. So it's like, regardless yeah. of our ethnicity, if we're all in the same environment, we all had the ability to connect. So I like her, amazing singer. Um, and Gabby's, the guy that she has a crush on, 
is an older guy. He's in the he's in the he's in the boosting business, which was a thing back in New York back in the day. We called them boosters. They go in, they go rob places in uh, high end places, whether it be jewelry or whether it be clothing. But she kind of gravitates towards him, but her father doesn't know it until they all meet. So the whole deal is the whole the whole story takes place in twenty four hours. So in this 24 hours, a lot of things happen that are like amazing to me. But it's a, it would be a hell of, it would be a hell of a movie. Like I think everybody would love that movie. So it, it seemed like music played a, a big role in your life, man. So it does. If, you, if you, if you could come up with a soundtrack for Secrets, who would be on the soundtrack? Uh, usually the person that I was listening to when I was writing mm-hmm. and uh, that gentleman, let me show you, I'll tell you exactly who he was. I got to bring him up on my, my Apple. Cause I can't write unless I'm listening to music. So his name is browse. No, give me one moment. Oh, you good. I'd say exactly who he was. Cause I listened to him over and over and over again. I'm going to add him to my know. list. I'm a, I'm a music junkie myself, man. Yeah. So his name is Jay Holiday. So Jay Holiday oh, was the that singer. Was, yeah, that was the yeah. that was the album I listened to back in my lack. Um, that album, you you can and you can listen to the movie. I mean, if you were to see the movie, you would say, "Okay, I can see the influence right there." That's that's yeah. that song. That that. That had an impact. He he so, had the song "Put You to Bed," right? Yeah, yeah, I know exactly it's, what you're talking about. So if you read my work, if you read my work, most people say like, "Oh, your your writing has a rhythm to it." Like you have a your 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 dialogue has a rhythm to it. Like so, you, I'll hear that a lot when people read my material hmm. because I, I write when I listen to music. That's cool. Get you in that zone. It does, you know, because that takes me back to that's kind of how I survived growing up in Buffalo, you know. I, I wasn't from there, but music kind of kept me uh, out of a lot of trouble. Mm. So, Stacy, if you had to uh, go back and uh, talk to your 21-year-old self, what, uh, what advice would you give to that young man? My 21-year-old self, I would say... put more focus on your career and your faith. Mm-hmm. I would say that, I, that would be the advice. Let that be the two things that you, you, you ground yourself with, you know, and then of course my family, but, yeah. but I think if I was more grounded in my faith, it would have kept me out of a lot of things. And I think if I had put a lot more energy in my career, I'd probably be leading a fortune 100 company right now. Um, what, what I know. And what and the amount of money I've been I've been able to make for companies I probably have my own company and probably be uh, well established in, in in that respect. Hmm. All right, so can, oh, what were you saying? That was it. Okay, can we can we bring it back now? Uh, what uh, hip hop song would be? Well, would describe you as as a dad. As a dad. Probably gonna be some uh, Nas, probably a New York State of Mind. Okay, uh, okay, that would probably be a, a New York State of Mind. <laughs> uh, that's, that's classic, man. Illmatic, the whole Illmatic soundtrack. That that would be my my father mode. Oh, that's that's your soundtrack to your, to your life. So at least to um, yeah, a, a big part when I was young. Illmatic, that was that was me. That is a classic album. Yeah. What's your uh what's your top what's your Mount Rushmore? Your rap Mount Rushmore. I rap Mount Rushmore. Nas? Was that four of them? Yeah. So I'm gonna go Nas. Ah. Nas. Biggie. For me. Um, then I like groups. 
So I like EPMD. That was my thing. And then, of course, when I totally just want to go tear up the club, Wu-Tang, the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> when, I want to, when I want to hang with my posse, just, we just want to put in some work. Oh, that's dope. That's dope. Strictly business? Strictly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take it personal. This is strictly business. Now, you know about EPMD, like their relationship? Yeah, man, I know what happened to him, man. Yeah, it was kind of sad. But, uh, yeah. you know, things happen. I mean, they came back together. They did, but, you know, when you break up, you'll never come back the same. It's kind of like the same. Yeah, you know, you know, you just said this behind my back. I just said this. Yeah, it's kind of, it's different, man. Yeah. Well, uh, what's your Mount Rushmore? Uh, so, Rush? Man. I would say uh, definitely Nas, Jay, Biggie, and I'm going to roll with a Chicago guy, man. I'm going to roll with Common. Common, I like Common. Uh, okay. In my top, in my top. My mouth much more. And I would say if I had to pick a uh, a song or an album to describe me as a dad, I would say uh, – I was say you're ready to die. Why <laughs> <laughs> ready to die, man? Wow. No, nah, this person popped in my head, bro. I don't know. <laughs> the baby, the baby on the cover. All right, like I'm ready to roll out, man, for my shorty, man. <laughs> How about you, uh, Doctor Young? What song or uh, album would you pick to describe yourself as a uh, as a father? Ah, <laughs> uh, Put him in put him in put him in the crosshairs. Put you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, it's um it's a couple of them, man. Okay, well, I'm gonna start from the beginning. Like I always said, it's it's albums that like was soundtracks to my life or changed my life. So I remember when these two albums came out. I was going into high school. The uh, DJ Clue, the professional, the the mixtape. Oh yeah. And uh, Noriega, Nori, Noriega, first album by itself. That was tight. Yeah, those like changed my life. But as a dad, I'll probably say um, probably the Cool Man. That's probably like one of my favorite um, hip hop albums. The cool by Lupe Fiasco. I like it. Was that what kicks the, the skateboard song? He was like kicks. Kick oh, that, that was on Food and Liquor. That was on ah, the first one. I like that song, man. That's that song kind of stuck with me. Yeah. Kick what Lupe song is, off the uh what song off the cool would you pick if you had to pick a song? As far as being a, a dad? Yeah, or just or, in general. Just in general. It ain't gotta be the cool, but you know, uh out of the albums you name, which one would you pick? To describe your, uh, yourself as a father, mm. you said Nori. DJ Clue, the professional, and the cool. Yeah, pick one song off of the, either one of all out of all those three albums. Which one would you pick? It's a song you? that Nori have with Carl Thomas. Um, he'd be like, uh, I think it's called "I Love My Life" or something like that. That's how the hook go. But um, that one popped into my head when you asked the question. So pro- probably oh, yeah. that one on Noriega's yeah, uh, first album. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. All right, Stacey, I know we're getting close to time, man. So uh, I'm going to ask one last question. If you can give advice to any um, – well, that's dad that's starting out, a, a young man, uh, what would it be? Listen more to your talk. Be a good listener. Mm-hmm. Let, them, let them tell you. Let them come to you. Be open. Be receptive. Because if, they, if they're not talking to you, they're talking to somebody else. So you want them to always come to you. So you got to be you got to be receptive. You got to give them the freedom to speak, you know, with, with you know, with some 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 barriers, some boundaries. But uh, yeah. that, that's the advice I'll give them. Listen to them because once they stop talking to you, they're talking to somebody else. 
and that person probably ain't gonna give them the best advice. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. That's a good yeah. one. And um, I have one last question too, and um, it's a question I already asked you, Stacy. It was, uh, yeah. what does fatherhood mean to you? And uh, you gave me a good answer. I'm gonna read it to you. You said it means doing the best you can with what you have. Can that's, you elaborate that's, a little more on that? That's it. I mean, you, you got you to do the best you can with what you have, and then you got to let that – you got to put it down, you know. They go like you. They go hate you. They go have all these things they got to say about you, your, your kids. I mean, because everyone, everyone is thinking from a perspective where they're at. So most kids are not going to get their parents until they have kids. And when they have kids that are doing the things that they were doing, when you were, when you were trying to get them some advice, it really doesn't kick in. So for me, it's it's just that. Let it be. Try to be consistent. Do the best you can with what you had. My my, my kids know my upbringing. They know I, I didn't grow up with a father. They knew I, I was because I, I don't hold nothing back. I said I was I was I was learning on the go. I was I was trying to navigate, manage the Marine Corps. I was trying to manage your mama. I was trying to manage you, and and, and all at the same time, and, and and being an adult when I came into the world, not knowing a damn thing. So I'm I'm not gonna. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not going to say I could have been something different when, hell, I was the best I could be. And I just leave it where it's at. And if they can accept it or they cannot accept it, but it's not going to bother me. Either way they go, they, I did the best I could. And uh, all three of them are, are functional. They're functional adults. They can make their way. They can make decisions. They make solid decisions. They're taking care of their homes. They're taking care of their families. And so for me, I did exactly what I was entrusted to do because kids don't belong to you in the first place. You think they're yours. They're not yours. Those kids belong to the most high and the most high gave you an opportunity to raise his kids. Mm. So they're not your kids in the first place. They're not mine. So I just try to do my best uh, with the responsibility I was given. Hey, I know I said I had one last question. What? You got another one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I apologize for that, man. But just what you just said, man. It's, What's um, up? It was awesome, man. Cause, and I, I feel the same way. Um, through, like, our conversations, it seemed like you're, uh, you have a certain level of, of consciousness about you and, and spirituality. How did you develop that? It has been... Man, it's a journey, you know. It's a journey. You, you, you get there. It's this walk, man. You got to understand what what this thing is that we call life. Most people can't grasp it. Yeah. It is. It's just the opportunity. And for me, I look at life as an opportunity to make one decision. Either you rocking with the most high or you not, you know. You rocking with them. You rocking with the rules of the creation or yeah. you living outside the wire. And I think everyone has the opportunity to make that decision or they don't, you know. And then I look at the relationship that exists between the Most High and the Holy Spirit. And most people don't know the Holy Spirit is a feminine spirit. So they're like your heavenly mother and father. And so if you, there's this brick mountain down in Mexico. On there, there's only nine commandments. But the, one of the commandments is honor your heavenly mother and father above which is really what life is about we don't honor no, no human beings we honor those who are who, who created us and so if you know who the if you know who she is she is the first witness of the creation so with his first breath wisdom was created and she's been with him from the beginning and so when they say make let's make them in our image that's the most high and that's the holy spirit your heavenly mother and father who made it you, me and everybody else. So that's kind of the journey I've been on. Just it's the journey back to them. That's what it is. That's the revelation. Like, can we find our way back to who we used to be? Because yeah. what, who we are right now was not who we used to be. This is not our language. This is not our culture. This is not our heritage. It's just the journey back to yourself. That, that's what everyone's on. No, no. So that's where I'm at, bro. But Dr. Young, I think we got another Hall of Famer on our hands. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to put this in the rafters, man. Yeah, put it in the rafters. Yeah, no, definitely some 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 jewels on on this one, man, because I know there's a lot of uh, people or a lot of men that um, have similar experiences to you, Stacey, in regards to not having a dad around. Yeah. um, 
to hear that, to hear that, and hear uh, the man you've become, you know, uh, throughout all that, you know, it's just, it's powerful. So uh, thank you for sharing your story, man. We definitely appreciate it. Yeah, man, we could chop it up anytime. Like I said, it's it's yeah. good. You know, this COVID environment, this virtual environment, it's good to talk to brothers, man. It's just good to, to chop it up. Yeah, just to have a, a release, you know. It's a lot, it is. Yeah, it's a lot to deal with. It is. Yeah. So, Dr. Young, did you have anything else before we uh, before we closed it out? Yeah, uh, no more questions. I just want to thank you, Stacey, man. I appreciate you uh, being a part of this and, you know, being so open and allowing us to interview you. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity, man. It's like we, we need to talk. Because um, one of the things I, I always said throughout my walk is how different might my life have been had I met someone like me when I was a kid? Mm. You know, someone who came back, who actually came from there and actually made it out, not through your normal, what we think is the only way you can make it out through entertainment or, or athletics, but who, who made it out, made their way through corporate America, um, made their way through combat zones. So I got a variety of skills, but I always wonder what, how different my life would have been if I met someone like me. And so mm. I think the reason I connect with you two is I would love to one day come and talk to a bunch of young people. You know, I got a lot to say and I want to say it while I still got some time on this earth because, you know, you don't know how much time you got left. Yeah. Oh yeah. So for sure, man, we definitely going to reconnect and uh, find a way to make that happen. Cause yeah, definitely some, some people that are going through similar situations. Need to hear that been through it. So, yeah. Yeah. Myself for Silver's Realis for Dr. Rodney and also for our special guest, Stacey King. Uh, definitely thanks you for listening. Thank you for listening to WTF interviews and stay tuned for further announcements. Stacey, don't hang up just yet. Alright. Yes, yes. Sir Royce here. And I want to thank you again for listening to WTF interviews. Leave a review as it helps more people like yourself receive the message. Also, consider donating to Welcome to Fatherhood. It's a nonprofit that myself and Dr. Raheem Young created to help dads showcase their superpowers to the masses. You can do that by going to wtfatherhood.org. Again, gratitude and be well. You already are.